Oh, hi there. Big Sam here of the DU Football Show, the world's favorite, drunken, totally biased recap of the English Premier League, was told by two common American schmucks. I'm often reminded by my co-host Sam, the number one thing that people ask us. Why the fuck you guys do this show? Not that one. The other one, Sam. Oh, how can I become a supporter of the show? That's the one. How can I support the show? Well, that's easy. Support our Patreon. Sam, how does one go about doing that? By visiting www.patreon.com backslash dufootballshow and signing up to one of our three supporters tiers. A friend of the show for a dollar, a drunk Uber passenger for five, or our top tier, the $9 tier. Because 10 is way too much. And we have a special promotion going on right now, don't we, Sam? We do, actually. Uh, become a drunk Uber passenger, which is our $5 level, and we will do a quick video previewing your team's upcoming season as a thank you for supporting the show. That's right, boys and girls. From now until September the 7th, we'll be running this great offer. It helps pay for the operations of the show, the studio, and producer Mel's mute button. Be sure to take advantage of this great deal. Sam, where do people do that again? www.patreon.com backslash show. And now on to the show. Coming up next. Can you ever let me have the last word just fucking once, Jesus? Nope. This is Brian, and I support Fulham FC, and I just did a podcast with a gooner and a talkie who know fucking nothing about football. You have been listening to the DU Football Show. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well done, Brian. Yeah. Oh, man. Two, se- two seasons for a D1 school in the South. <laughs> Yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden he's an expert. Yeah, you know he. he, he <laughs> I don't know what to say. That was fucking brilliant. I fucking love it. Sammy, let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland, bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right, yeah, the fucking gooner grab. Smoke of a lord. Look straight and short. Sam Graham. Sam Graham. Fucking United! Fucking Hello and welcome to the Drunker United Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the way from me is someone who actually finally had to work for an end of month, Sam Graham. Sammy, how you doing? I feel dirty. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I feel very dirty, uh, which was the case prior to COVID during end of month, and uh, I guess that's coming right back in now that uh, it's starting to slow down. A little bit in my liquor store. So reality's finally starting to settle yeah, back in. so huh? I actually have to do some work end of month, leverage some things, talk some shit, ask for some favors, that kind of stuff. Wear the knee pads, do the silkworm shower afterwards, <laughs> yeah. all that kind of fun uh-huh. shit. Yep. yep. You're a dirty boy, Graham. You're a dirty boy. <laughs> Other than that, doing very well. <laughs> Excellent. We're recording at Studio H just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out on all podcast platforms. Please, if you get a chance, subscribe, rate, review, share with your footballing friends, especially anybody who's doing uh, Apple, because pretty much Apple's the only one that lets you uh, rate it. Give us five stars and tell us to go fuck ourselves in the comments. Yeah, you please. can write whatever. Just give us five stars. I love it. It helps people find us, actually. Um, the more five stars you get, the higher you shove up in the search. Yeah, in fact, I'd be, uh, I, I would actually appreciate a bunch of uh, derogatory remarks in the comments just to be funny as inside jokes. <laughs> I, would, I would actually take yeah, humor in that. Pretty good. Oh, uh, should you want to chat with us, there is many ways that you can. Sammy, why don't you tell the good people how they can get in touch? Sure, on all the social medias, we are at DU Football Shows, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, DU Football Show at gmail.com to get in touch via email, uh, which a lot of you have for one specific reason that I will not mention again this week, but I did last week, and you should listen to the closing remarks. Yeah, exactly. You'll mention in the closing <laughs> remarks. The painstaking process one has to go through to just play <laughs> fantasy football. You and let the they, cat out of just, the bag. they just don't know how to do it. Well, that's, that's my good friend. That's what we call a tease. <laughs> or as I'd like to say, you can always just Skype your happy ass on in here, as is the case tonight. We have Jordan. Jordan, how you doing, brother? What's up, guys? So, Jordan, who do you support? I am a West Bromwich Albion fan. Ah, West Brom. The team whose supporters like to steal Beatles' wives. Boing, boing. 
Sam and myself both work in the wine and spirit industry and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we vow to have a drink in our hands throughout this show and every single show. Sammy, what are we drinking today? Sure, we've got Ben Romax Single Malt, uh, which is an eight-year-old first fill sherry cask. Uh, comes in at 118.2 proof. Yes, it's a big boy. 59.1% by volume. Uh, cost us 89 pound while we were in England. Uh, which is roughly about 110 bucks. So you might find a little more, a little less, depending uh, when you go over. Um, this is a Speyside single malt bottle ex- exclusively, excuse me, for the Whiskey Exchange's 20th anniversary. So you will only find it if you make the fairly unsafe at this point journey <laughs> over to the UK and happen yourself into a Whiskey Exchange store. I would say, hell, one of the few countries who will let us into the I would say, are we allowed over there Currently? right now? We are, yeah. But as soon as as soon as soon betting gets legalized online for real, which I hope comes this fall, uh-huh. there'll be no reason to go until they open stadiums again. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Oh, all right. Well, excellent. A lovely, lovely whiskey, wasn't it? That was, that was a fun day just in the whiskey exchange in London. Yeah, a, a, a day is what it was. We yeah. took a very long time to be in there. I do want to remind everybody to drink irresponsibly. Holy shit, you remember to do that. All right, let's get into it, kids. Have a great show. Let's do it, guys. All right, I have the first question. You said you were a West Brom supporter. Well, Sam, I do this thing called an intro. And no, then fuck you... that. Okay, I guess not. All right, go ahead. Psych, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, tonight we discuss one of the original 12, a side that uh, lost to producer Mel's Aston Villa in the last year's playoff and found itself uh, with an automatic promotion on the final day this year. West Bromwich Albion, or West Brom for short. Sammy, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, storied franchise? I will definitely. Uh, they were formed under a different name in 1878 by workers at the George Salter Springs Factory. Uh, they won an FA Cup on their third attempt in 1888, beating Preston North End 2-1. to one. They were extended an invitation to be one of the inaugural members of the Football League, along with Everton and Aston Villa. Uh, they won their first match 2-0 of that, that first season in the Football League. Uh, and a few short years later, in 1892, West Brom set a record, which still stands today, uh, of the largest margin of victory in the top flight, beating Darwin 12 0. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Call that a pumping. They also won the FA Cup again that year, their fourth time in the final. Albion was renting various grounds to be able to play, but finally settled on a permanent home in 1900 at the Hawthorns, where they still play today. Uh, they have played in their traditional stripes since their inception. Um, the Hawthorne Stadium capacity is 26,688. They have one first division title, five FA Cups. Their last one was in the late 60s, 1968. One League Cup and one Charity Shield, which Arsenal won their 16th on Sunday, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point because I won't let it go without mentioning. Yeah, that's going to be injury time. So go ahead. Now is when you ask the question, right. Sam. You see how notes work and Why? the show works? Why? Okay, go ahead. No, not that. Him. Why? Okay. (laughs) Why Albion? Oh, I mean, you don't just go into the Premier League and just pick West Bromwich Albion as an American fan. It's not like ever so random. Like everyone flocks to the big six clubs for the most part. Believe it or not, as a young kid who loved playing the game, uh, I I was actually an Arsenal supporter at one time. Um, Under, yeah, probably like under the age of 10. As I kept watching the game and, like, kind of appreciating, you know, just, like, everything that's going on with transfers and everything, I, I, I didn't really just feel at home, really, with Arsenal and supporting their club. I loved watching their games, but I don't think that necessarily made me a fan. I really wanted to root for an original club, a club that had a really interesting history, a long history. I mean, I love the idea of the original 12 I really made the change uh, after the 2007-2008 season as West Brom were being promoted to the Premier League uh, off a really, really hot season. Very cool. Uh, Yeah. So you just basically enjoyed the feeling of disappointment you found as an Arsenal supporter and decided to just put yourself through that day in, day out. I was just going to say one matured and went, "Eh, (laughs) yeah. Being an Arsenal supporters for boys, I'm going to be a man now and root for West uh, Brom. That's you. that's yeah. what I that's how I read into it okay. personally. So actually, I live with an Arsenal supporter, and it it's a really fun time. Uh, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, real quick. Yeah. Then knowing knowing that you were watching the uh, the Tottenham documentary before you called in for the show tonight, I just got to know 
has your Arsenal roommate been able to get through without getting up and kicking the TV yet watching the Tottenham documentary? Um, I think he really just enjoys laughing at Harry Kane's voice every time he speaks. Mouth so breather. I think get from <laughs> Harry Kane is such a mouth breather. <laughs> uh, but you know uh, what? Actually, I, I saw some of the Tottenham documentary oh, yeah. and basically just viewed it as a comedy because they released a documentary about winning nothing. <laughs> Once again, uh, we've won more trophies this month, Sam. Uh, today, uh, recording Magic Radio, it is August 31st. But we have won more trophies this month than Tottenham has in the last 20 years. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was going to say, I did watch an Everton documentary, but it was about when they won the 86 season. Yeah. So <laughs> you should actually watch one when it's about yeah. winning something. Yeah, Tottenham doesn't have a trophy case in that stadium. They have a DVD rack. I heard. So let's go ahead and get into a little bit with, with the club. Now... Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mel. Thank you. So no last, to care. last last season, uh, last two seasons, you were down in the championship, and the season before that, that's actually the um, second. No, it's right before we started recording the show. Uh, you guys went down. Uh, put up a hell of a fight right at the end. Unfortunately, it seemed like too little, too late. I know that there was a change in ownership at the time. How much do you equate the change of ownership? to kind of the demotion of the club. Do you think that that messed with the players at all or the, the coaching staff at all or, or anything in general like that? I don't think the change in ownership necessarily had anything to do with it. I think it's really just uh, – I don't think anybody was really willing to step up and make a decision, mm-hmm. especially on like who our coach was going to be. I mean we had gone – I can't even count the seasons at the moment. But like having to deal with Tony Pulis for that long as a manager – uh, um, what are you talking about? The creative genius of Tony Pulis? <laughs> so, <laughs> so here, a fun thing. I like. I actually quite enjoyed the Pulis years, only because it made everyone else in the league frustrated to have to deal with it. Oh yeah, because he's like, going to put a weapon behind go, the ball and dare you to score. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean there there is some not creative genius, but some appreciation from myself to really just be that blunt in your strategy to try and score a quick goal within the first four minutes, park the bus for the next 86. I, I always love the, uh, the analogy that people would do of the, well, can they handle a cold rainy day in Stoke? It wasn't a cold rainy day in Stoke. It was a cold rainy day playing at Tony Pula's side. It was just it a black. Matter, yeah. It didn't matter where the fuck it was. It's actually quite sunny in Stoke frequently. It's just the black cloud that follows Tony Pulis around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, and didn't you? Oh God, who who took over for him? Uh, was it? Um, um, the old Newcastle guy, the one in Newcastle was might still be paying. Oh, oh Pardue. Pardue, yeah. yeah. Didn't Pardue take over for a little while yeah. too? Yep. Pardue took over, and that was the beginning of the end right there. No. And that uh, might still be paying, is still paying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, Newcastle no is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, without a doubt, every single West Bromwich Albion fan hates Alan Pardue with a passion to this day. Um, so does just, pretty much. So does Crystal Palace. So does Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. So does every other team he's ever coached. Uh, so does he, every other team that has he hasn't coached. <laughs> They're just like, no, no, don't like him. <laughs> I still like think he just got confused after he got fired from Newcastle. And Albion, obviously, it's dark blue, not black, but they still wear the stripes. I think he just turned up one day at the Hawthorns and was like, I'm coaching here. <laughs> <laughs> they wear the same shit. And they were like, so this, how do we get rid of him? <laughs> yeah, this past season, he ended up actually like in the Dutch League, I think for like a total yeah. of like... Eight games. Eight games. Uh, mutually uh, terminated contract by him and the club. Yeah. And the only reason they weren't relegated was the league was dubbed null and void, I believe. <laughs> His club. I think they were seven points from safety um, when the league got terminated. And nobody's going up or down, I don't, I don't think. And then right at the end of the relegation season, it was, is it Darren Moore that took over? For the club lot. legend Darren Moore. Yep. Yeah. And got that great win against Manchester United, which ended up giving City the title, right? Because remember, United right. beat yeah. City, right? And Jose was all super chesty and proud about it. And the very next week, won nothing lost to West Brom. Wasn't that one at right. Anfield, too? I think it was at, I mean, not, I mean, at uh, Old Trafford. At Old Trafford, yeah, yeah. At Old Trafford. I think that might be right. <laughs> so he actually went on to get manager of the month in his last month in the role. For yeah. the Premier League, because he ended up uh, beating Tottenham as well, one nothing at home. Yeah, 
I mean, it was it was he just ran out of time. I mean, the team was playing great for him yeah. right near the end. It just I remember it came down to like the the it was the second to last week, and um, Swans I think needed to get a win to to and unfortunately they got the win and that then sealed the fate of West Brom. But I mean, considering the team was way out of it at that point, like the way he charged back, that was pretty great. Now, so that leads us into kind of a little bit about the the championship. I know that uh, eventually West Brom did part ways with uh, Moore. What what was it that happened? Was the team just not hitting the achieved goal? Were they not playing well? What was going on in the championship at that time that uh, got him to move on? To this day, I actually still don't understand the sacking of Darren Moore. Um, so late in the season, too without any plan for a replacement. I mean, it w- it was just heartbreaking. Well, and that's, it, that's the season you ultimately, you lost to Villa in yeah. the playoffs, right? Yeah. So th- this kind of goes back to like the repeated attempts of the season prior of the board to try and kind of find their manager. But we literally sacked Aaron Moore without a single plan in mind. Or there was a plan that we just didn't know about that clearly wasn't drawn out enough. Um, and, and, and like, I, I've actually come to enjoy the board over the past few seasons and like our owners. Um, but I think there are definitely times when we're over our head and we're unwilling to admit that. Got um, it. And you also missed out on a really, really important um, and hilarious uh, kind of reason for our going down was the uh, Gareth Barry taxi incident in Barcelona. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, uh, well, I mean, we're definitely, <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about Gareth Barry because uh, old Everton head here. So definitely want to talk about him. Uh, yeah, refresh I don't my re- memory. I don't even remember that he played for Everton. All I remember is this story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please refresh my memory. So uh, we, we had a spring training trip on our last season in the 2016-2017 season mm-hmm. uh, in the Prem. And they decided uh, kind of like after the last night of training, uh, they would let all the players go in Barcelona. Um, probably many of them, what I feel like was probably their first time. Definitely not Gareth Barry. Right. Gareth Barry knew what he was doing. Um, <laughs> I love it. Gareth Barry, uh, I'm trying to remember everyone else in there. Jake Livermore. Uh, God, there's one more I'm forgetting about, but we always just seem to pin it on Barry. Uh, got well, he was definitely off. the elder statement. Elder yeah, statesman it, in that group. It was oh, 100%, 100% his idea. Yeah, so he they got um, w- what I can only assume would be blackout drunk uh, and decided to, I think they mugged a taxi driver and stole his taxi. Stole drunk the taxi. Away. Correct. Well, <laughs> While I, in I, Barcelona. And, and I think it was at that very point in, in that season campaign that I was like, well, this is the end right here. Well, <laughs> you, you know what yeah, they before say. Before a ball was kicked. You know what they say about Gareth Barry. We have a song if, for if, it. If he, didn't, if he didn't see a yellow, he didn't fucking play. That's all there is <laughs> yeah. to it. So the man probably likes scrap. That would not surprise me one bit. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I mean, this this summer, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, not necessarily today, but eventually, is Harry Maguire's antics over in Greece. Oh, my God. This is Gareth Barry-esque, <laughs> um, which is really funny. And, and Manchester United wouldn't uh, pay his bail. But they did offer Jeff, Jesse Lingard in two thousand pounds to get him out of uh, to get Harry Maguire out of jail in Greece, of course, uh, which the Greek authorities declined. So, um, uh, Slavon Bilic takes over for the club, and he's had some ups and downs. Um, you know, he had some successes with West Ham, and then ultimately things didn't work out. Um, how have you how have you felt about him so far as the skipper of your club? See, I, I feel like Slavon Bilic always has the right ideas for the club always in mind. I think he kind of battles back and forth with the club a little bit and like exactly what our resources are to get that done. Um, but I mean, the man came in with a two year plan to get promoted. I, we weren't expecting promotion this year. Um, we were kind of like treating this as a rebuilding year and pump shit in one. So I think that enough speaks for itself about what he is capable of doing. We definitely have our ups and downs, but I think as a whole, when you look back on, kind of the village campaign and him stepping up to the role. You, you can't deny he was successful at it. Um, I think him having a history of like even managing like a national squad. Um, I think they got like third place in like a world cup with yeah. him as manager and just like being able to have that Croatian connection 
really appeared to be something that excited our fan base uh, um, so much so that like half of us put like that tilde on the C uh, as like Croatians do and uh, like all of our Twitter handles. Huh. It, cool. It's really it, it, it's strange, but you know, it's just like I feel like him being in the role is he's definitely the right person to get us out of where we are. Um, and I can't make like any like prediction based of what he's going to be doing, uh, whether he'll even be the right person to manage us in the premier league. Well, that, uh, that kind of brings me on to my next question was Sav- uh, Slavon Bilic. We, we, we talk about these players. Like you remember Darren Huckabee that used to play for Norwich and uh, Grant Holt and some of those types of players that were too good for the championship, but not quite good enough for the premier league. Do you think managerial speaking, do you think Slavin Bilic falls into that category? Now, I know his, less, his last job was with West Ham in the Premier League, and that's a tall task for anyone. I mean, I, uh, Pep would get relegated there. Yeah. But <laughs> the, <laughs> do you think that he falls into that where he's too good for the Premier League, or um, I'm sorry, too good for the championship, but not necessarily tactically astute enough to manage in the Premier League? And where does that then leave you? Does he, you know, go on a, a run uh, of losses and then gets fired? What, like, how does this work this season, you so, think? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, he's definitely the guy going into the season. Clearly, like, we're not making any changes there. Um, I don't yeah, of think, course. like, there's no brainer behind that. But I think he is definitely good enough to manage in the Premier League, I, I'd say, for a club of our size. I definitely think <laughs> in a club like West Ham and having that experience – kind of going back and forth with the organization between like resources and what you're able to do is really good experience that he has under his belt that he could kind of take over. Um, because you're kind of dealing with a similar thing at West Brom. Like we're not exactly going out there and spending a hundred million dollars like Fulham as we're getting promoted. Um, right. especially during COVID times where it doesn't seem like anybody's making any deals at the moment. No, uh, not really. So I think definitely the right man for the role. And he's got the experience necessary to really get this season underway for sure. Well, then let's talk a little bit about what is West Brom's current style under him? Are you a little bit more of an attacking side? Is it, you know, I mean, I know how he, he managed, uh, how he managed West Ham and he was brought in to kind of be more of an attacking guy. Cause at the time they had let go of uh, um, <clears throat> big Sam because big Sam was giving them, ah, don't mind. <laughs> Mel dropping stuff over here. Um, I just decided to throw my phone at the board because, you know, why the fuck not? Thank you. Um, so with West, with, with West Ham, you know, they, they weren't happy with the fact that they were kind of playing mundane football. So they brought him, they brought Billich in to kind of in, to increase that offensive overload. How do you see him managing your team? What's your style of play while you were in the championship this last season? It's 110% an attacking play style. I mean, we scored... I think in the past two seasons, I feel like we scored like the third most goals or something like that in like all levels of English football. Um, so you, you definitely bang on on that. I think the thing, his managerial style um, definitely like puts itself to like some player flair, um, kind of like some show off on the pitch, especially when we're in the position to do so. I mean, we bring a player from one from West Ham, uh, Grady D in Ghana. We loaned in a player, uh, Mateus Prayer from Sporting Lisbon, who we just signed. Yep. Uh, about yep. two weeks ago. And these are players in for us as our club in recent history, like we haven't really witnessed any like individual player flair on the pitch in the past few years, especially during the Pulis era. Right. Uh, no. So <laughs> individual flares around the exactly Dribble ball, ball. What the fuck is that? You yeah. were to kick that ball all the way down the field, damn it, and stay behind the 18. No, that Tony, is Tony Pulis football. You know where Tony Pulis would have fit in really well, right? <laughs> East Germany. <laughs> I mean, you bring, you bring that up. And it's like that's that's exactly what it was. Is like it's from like a fan perspective, it does get old. I mean, you, you really enjoy being in the Prem year after year after year, but when it doesn't work under Pulis, it's clear and obvious. It's not going to work. Um, and the fans will let you hear that. Wait, wait, um, clear and obvious. <laughs> I just heard Liverpool got awarded a penalty. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> VAR just ruled. <laughs> so to have Billich come in and kind of show off, even like Darren Moore did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like Darren Moore was like overly attacking play style. Um to be able to go off, push forward, and really kind of beat down on some of these championship teams, 
is something surprising to see as a fan, and it's just exciting. Like, never have I been able, in the previous four years being in the Prem, to, like, sit back after, like, the first half and just crack open another beer and just kind of relax and enjoy the game. Oh, go, um, oh, yeah, we got this one in the bag already. We're up to nothing. Yeah, that definitely didn't happen in the Prem for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, with with being in the Premier League, obviously comes more money and, and everything else, and more money for the squad, more money for Billich himself. Um, as some areas of England are beginning to ease COVID restrictions, uh, are you going to be able to keep Billich out of the indie clubs in Birmingham uh, long enough on a Friday night to be able to manage on time at the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday? I, it's going to be tough to tell. I mean, like going back to that Gareth Barry, if it, he's not in the club anymore, maybe we have a chance. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say you gotta like uh, you gotta like somebody who, when they go to Seattle, need to go to Subterranean Records just to see where uh, where grunge is created. I already like him as a coach. I'm like, yep, you're all right in my book. Yeah. I'm I'm a child of the '90s as well. Like I I'm a I'm a I'm a Gen Xer. So you you're into punk and grunge. I like you. You're can all I, right. Can I make one quick, maybe problematic statement? Okay, go ahead. Is it just me, <laughs> or do a lot of Eastern Europeans have that kind of gray drug addict skin? <laughs> And if any other coach in the top flight in England looks like they do drugs, it's definitely Slavon Bilic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think you dignified that with exactly the response it deserved. Um, why don't we get a little bit into the side itself? Why don't you talk about um, a few key players on the on the team currently, people who, you know, right, let, let's face it, West Brom was sitting at the top of the championship the bulk of the year until COVID, and that's when Leeds ultimately overtook you guys. But you guys were pretty much in first almost, though. You were running away with it the whole season. So who was it who got you here? I mean, 110% a team effort all around. Um, I don't. When you look at, like, even, like, the goal scoring in the stat sheets, it's spread out. We didn't have, um, like we did in our pre- previous season, Jay Rodriguez and Dwight Gale both sitting on, like, 26, 28 goals apiece. Um, it really, our goals came from, I think every single player in our starting squad, except for Sam Johnston that, um, and maybe we should have put him on a pen to kind of give him that award. So a whole bunch um, of people from like eight to 15 goals across the board kind of thing where everybody's yeah, so we, contributing. We, yeah. I'd say like, like defenders probably like six goals each, like attackers. We had Hal Robinson, Canoe, Charlie Austin. I think they were sitting like 12, 14 apiece midfield probably around the same spot. Um, I, I mean, they just came from all over the place. Um, uh, all right. You, you already mentioned the name and every time I hear the name, I always got to go, it's a joke. It's a joke. And you said you have a Charlie Austin story. So I need to hear about Charlie Austin. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so, so this would kind of drag this into a little bit more serious. Um, That's all right. Don't mind. Yeah, let's go. Um, so like when, Kind of like growing up, like and like being like a West Brom fan, like obviously, um, like I, I used to watch like a lot of games with my father, and he'd always once we ended up getting relegated, he was always like a guy who's like, "crap, I'm not gonna watch like B League football, um, B League soccer." Like he was like kind of like the old timer guy, like he's just gonna like sit down and watch the Prem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like he didn't watch it all the season before when we were in the championship. Um, then our second season in the championship, he started to kind of come around to it. And he really had like really like like a good connection. It felt like with Charlie Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like he was I, I don't know why. And like maybe him just like as an older guy being attracted to an old older player uh, on the pitch. I really don't freaking know. Um, but he really seemed to like kind of like enjoy the performance that Charlie Austin put on because he'd always be like the late sub that would come on and score some goals. My dad ended up going through some like pretty tough times. He ended up like suffering a heart attack in December. Sorry to hear and that. Then, yeah, and he so he ended up. I remember we, it was like late December. Like Charlie Austin comes on. We're watching um, Lilda. I know what like would be like our last game together. And he Charlie Austin comes on. I, I, I don't think he ended up getting everything. And he's like, you know, like that's the guy. Like that that's my guy. Um, and that was like the last game we ever watched together. Aww. My dad. Ended up passing away, uh, I think it had to be like four or five days later, um, from like a second unexpected heart attack. And little under 48 hours later, me with like no sleep, um, we have our derby match against Birmingham City. 
which is like obviously like no Aston Villa, no Wolverhampton in the league, go into that game, what felt like kind of half-assed, like kind of coming up on the holidays, end up going down 2-1. How Robinson can do, like can't do too much up front. Um, 66th minute, Charlie Austin gets subbed on sometime around there. And like, fuck, I still remember the call of this day. It's like, Pereira, Livermore, Austin. Oh, it's magnificent. It goes a top in, top scoop turn. Like what felt like a nice little flick, like right up in the top left-hand corner. Austin ties the game, tied 2-2, kind of going up uh, into the final like leg of the match. And then we get this next like absolutely insane cross. Um was from Phillips. I don't think Phillips really did much for us all year. Crosses it right in the Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin scores the game winner. And it was like the first time I ever believed that like something weird was happening, you know, like as a West Brom fan. And like, I, I ended up like setting out like a few like tweets about like, Hey, like Charlie Austin, you were always my dad's favorite player. First game I'm watching without him. And you get a brace. Just like, like, thank you. Um, Like it kind of gave me hope that like, you know, like, this guy's like actually like still watching down on us. And like, I ended up sending out tweets and I'm like, I'm like going to dinner like later that night. Like this thing's going like kind of like semi-viral, which is like really weird for me. And I end up getting a message from Bianca Austin, like his wife just saying like, Hey, like Charlie clearly had like a, a guardian angel watching down on him. We're talking about it right now at dinner. And it was just like Aww. a really cool moment. That's like awesome. as like a West Brom fan. And that kind of brings up like, even like my next point, like being like a West Brom fan, like everything and everything. Uh, I don't even know if that made sense. Like is about like the West Brom, like family aspect to it. I think like we are not the biggest club in England. We don't even come close to that. Right. Um, our stadium holds 26,000 people. Everyone's a full family atmosphere. Everyone supports the club because their father supported the club. Their mother supported the club. It's just like a generational thing in the Midlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, just like being so like receptive for like me to like kind of put my life out there, like as a West Brom fan and like, as I do so on the account, uh, kind of like over the past few years, it's like been received like fairly well by like, not just like other American sports, but like by mostly like the sports overseas. Um, and just like forming those connections with everyone over there has been like an absolute blast. Oh, that's um, fantastic. And everything about it, like just being a West Brown fan is, it feels like, like, Everyone's in it for each other. Uh, you found yeah. two more in us, brother. We both lost our fathers to heart attacks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, quite a while ago. Uh, mine will be five years in October. So mm-hmm. we definitely feel your pain there, my friend. And I, I yeah. tell you, I tell you, I, I often say when it comes to when it comes to clubs, is I, I tell anybody, and they're like, "Oh, I want to get in the Premier League. I want to figure out who my club's going to be." I'm like, "You're not figuring out who your club's going to be. Your club's figuring out that you're going to support them or yeah. not. That's they're going to find you. You're not going to find them." Hundred percent. You need to watch every game for three weeks and figure out which club speaks to you. Yeah, and, and that's just how it goes. And I mean, mine happened to be Arsenal. My they, that's who I wanted. That's who wanted me. And it's it's never stopped since. Same same thing with Everton. He watched. He watched my boys. He enjoyed watching. We watched United. Enjoyed watching them. Um, there was a, a kind of a natural hatred towards Liverpool. <laughs> uh, Tottenham visited here, played DC United when I was fourteen. I went with uh, a friend of mine. You know, mom pulls up outside the stadium, drops me off. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. fucks off and does some shopping, comes back and picks me up. Yeah, and uh, and I naturally hated them. And a couple of years later, I find Arsenal, and it's like, well. No, nope. seems to no fit. Why I hated it. them. Yeah, seems to fit, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely spot on. If your club finds you, I mean, yeah, you can't just like arbitrarily like pick a squad. And unless Messi goes to Man City, which I mean, we'll get to that maybe later. But yeah. like, I hope he does. You're you're, you're not going to find your club. Your club's going to absolutely find you, which speaks to you. Well, is um, it calling? So uh, <laughs> I would certainly be remiss if we. I know we talked about him briefly beating up cabbies and stealing their cabs, but. Uh, Real quick, gentleman who only played for four clubs, played for Villa, played for City, played for Everton, and, and finished his career at West Brom. Uh, Gareth Barry finally hangs it up, and honestly, the last of the hard man central midfield role that I and I, I hate to use your guy as an example, but Patrick Vieira, yep. you know that kind of just mean fucker. 
Like yeah. just never lost the ball, never afraid of a tackle. If 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 you were going to get by him, it was either you or the ball. It was never going to be both. And he didn't care if he got carded. And he knew how to play a psychological game better than anybody in the center yeah. of that pitch. And he also never I mean, he got sent off a fair few times, but he he was never really in hot water. It was always a yellow, and then he tailored his game accordingly to make sure he didn't leave the team with 10 men. Yeah, he was a hothead. For the most part. Not a hothead. Very smart. He was a very smart player. Um, Could pick a pass as well. Um, Had a great left foot on him. A decent strike. Had had uh, an odd goal here or there as well. Just all-around top pro. uh, Second most Premier League appearances Mm -hmm. behind Ryan Giggs. Do you know why that is? Why is that? Because the Premier League started in 1992, and he f- made 48 appearances for Villa in the old first division. Ah. Right? <clears throat> and if they were included in Premier League appearances, he would actually be about 15 more than Ryan Giggs. Oh, shit. Um, but because they weren't, uh, he's not. What, what kind of an impact did uh, Gareth Barry, just as a veteran, what did, he, what did he give to your club? I think he kind of brought in there. I mean, like him and Charlie Austin both kind of have that experience on their belt to kind of train our, our younger squad. Kind of as like a club as a whole right now, we're trying to decrease the average age of our club. I think that's something that plagued us a little bit in the prem during the later years. Oh, um, absolutely. But you 100, you, I, I say 110% a ton, but like you, you, you kind of like got to get over that aspect when you go to the championship, but you still need some experience and some leadership uh, within the locker room, even though they may not wear the captain's armband, having an experienced player in each and every positional group is key um, to kind of finding your way out of the championship. Uh, obviously, Gareth Barry came before then and, and probably had a bigger impact when he was in the Prem uh, than he did on the field in the championship. But just his experience and his ability to kind of teach younger players how to play the game. I mean, the man knew, I think he was on the way out, uh, that he was going to end up hanging him up soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he didn't want to, but it, it it's absolutely key. You see that in Charlie Austin for us. Um, obviously, we were a team that kind of played almost completely without like a dead set striker the entire season. We kind of swapped between him and Hal Robinson Canoe um, for most of the season. But just like having him as experienced to kind of be a role model for everyone else on the team. Um, obviously Gareth Barry had his moments where he wasn't quite a role model in Barcelona. Being able to kind of display that seniority on the pitch is key to any club. Um, you can't have a club full of 25 year olds, uh, in the championship. It, it just won't work. Uh, there are things that you don't know that you will never find out without playing with older players on your squad. Absolutely. I mean, just look what Wayne Rooney and Ashley Cole did for Derby. Uh, especially under Frank Lampard, where he wasn't expected to make the playoffs with that team and ended up making the playoffs with that team. And it was all to do with some of those elder statesmen bringing on the young kids, right. you know, and, uh, and showing them the way. So a few oddball questions here. One, I actually forgot to write on the show sheets, but I do know of one right off the top of my head because I referenced him in my uh, little backhanded remark at the start of the show. Who are some famous supporters of, of West Brom? I mean, like, as it comes to, like, famous supporters, like, we don't have a standout. Like, we don't build uh, Michael Jackson statues outside our stadium. <laughs> really? Because well, I've always considered you guys the Fulham of the Midlands. Just very polite. Nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. <laughs> I mean, you, you say it like, kind of, like, right there at the beginning. It's Eric Clapton. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he's the guy when it comes to famous supporters right there. I, sorry, I didn't hear you. What? <laughs> <laughs> Eric Clapton. He was deaf. Uh, that was hard. a deaf joke. Got you. Um, <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> Sorry, it was too easy. But, I mean, you you got the got the, the guitarist from the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. uh, like Ron, Ronnie Wood. That's his name. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kind of had him there. Um, and I guess for the younger crowd, you have the One Direction kid. I, I can't even think of his name right now. Um, um, Harry Styles. No, the one with the hair. Why do you know his name? Because no. that's the one everybody knows from One Direction. That's the only Liam one anybody Payne. knows. Liam Payne. He's like well, I guess one of the backups. Okay. Or for one yeah, we all just we all just know Harry Styles because he's no, done no, Saturday Night I don't, Live. I only see it on Twitter occasionally. Um, but um, yeah, Eric Clapton's the go-to guy there. Um, Sammy, I'm not sure if you knew this, but um, one of his one of his records back in the '70s, uh, Backless. It's actually him on the cover playing his guitar. West Brom scarf wrapped around his neck. Oh, really? Yeah, I yeah. did not know oh, that. Oh, yeah. 
He's very, he was in not something that people talk about a ton in the music industry, but he's very like, I, I listened to a, there's a music podcast I listened to that was talking about one of his records. Yes. And one of the fun facts they talked about was like, Eric is an avid, they didn't say the club and I text, I tweeted them the show and went, it's West Brom is who he supports. But they were like, he would actively like pause everything to watch a match. And they were just very actively involved in being a football supporter of West Brom. It's just not something you typically hear in the music industry. Now what's, what's great. Actually, there is one other prime example of that, that you would see in the music industry where Eric Clapton didn't have the ego to really get involved where Elton John bought his club and almost drove them into the fucking ground. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Both had obviously amazing and wonderful music careers that are going to be respected for generations to come. Uh, but Eric Clapton knew what he was good at and stuck to it. <laughs> and both of them, in the, both of them in the seventies, really liked drugs yeah. and then got clean. But yeah. both of them in the seventies really yeah. liked drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Elton John's acid intake uh, only furthered his idea that he could be a chairman. <laughs> Eric Clapton still somewhat kept his feet on the ground. Well, it was because <laughs> Eric. Eric he did, did a lot of heroin, so he was just not motivated to do a damn thing. Uh, he was just like, oh, I'll play the guitar every once well, in a while. He, Outside of that, fuck it. He actually put in a bid for West Brom. Just <laughs> couldn't get up to sign the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bad That's jokes. terrible. Jesus Christ. We are, you already hinted at it earlier. Who are your Darbies? Who are your rivals? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's great to kind of be able to kind of go at Aston Villa again. They're definitely, like, one of our rivals I'd say we go at it back and forth a while, but I'd say they've become our rival more of recent. Um, the historic <laughs> club rival, in my opinion, is Wolverhampton. Um, uh-huh. We have not played in what feels like forever. Yeah, um, they were coming up as you were going down, right? Yeah, I mean, we just straight up missed each other. We don't draw League Cup matches. Uh, we don't draw FA Cup matches. It, we just seem to miss each other at every chance we get. And to finally, but Would you consider that go- real quick? I'm sorry. Would you consider that because Villa and Birmingham City are both within the city limits of Birmingham and West Brom just being outside, you're kind of the third wheel, and Wolves doesn't really have a natural rival anyway, and you're still very close to Wolverhampton? So I, I, our our main rival, in my opinion, is Wolverhampton. Like not just like by geography or anything like that, but uh, we call it Cl- Black Country Derby. They call it the Black Country Derby, despite the fact that it, it's kind of like debated whether or not uh, Wolverhampton is even part of Black Country. <laughs> we'll go at it and like we'll draw maps all the time, like kind of excluding Wolverhampton. They'll draw maps <laughs> West Brom, just be like, oh, this is the true Black Country, and they'll just exchange it back and forth. They'll someone will pull up a map from like. 1912 being like oh here's the original black country and i mean stuff like that goes back and forth but i I think it's definitely wolves the the big rival like wolves don't consider aston villa that big of a rival either Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of the other half of it um Uh, well and villa villa frankly considers birmingham city more a rival than than both you and wolves I mean, they said I mean, this, they called this year when Wolves and uh, Villa played each other, they called it the, you know, the Midlands Derby. But well, the other thing is Villa tr- tends to find itself in the upper echelons of football. Birmingham City don't. Right. So Villa technically don't really even have a, a main rival, if you will, because they always play in different leagues. Right. However, they are quite close together in Brummyland. Right. And, uh, and so that would just be a geographical derby. Yeah. Yeah. They, they seem to pick us for the most part, over Birmingham City. I mean, that the geographical kind of rivalry within the city limits of Birmingham is is harsh. Mm-hmm. So much that you have that lunatic uh, two years ago, like, run onto the pitch and, like, punch that Jack Grealish. Punch back Jack Grealish. Fucking asshole. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, Jack, like... He, Jack's, the, they're lucky the time that Jack didn't Trump just you, uh, you kick him with that. a calf. At the time, as a West Brom fan, like, we all kind of... We have a hatred for Jack Grealish. Right. Uh, but then we, what feels like we kind of got one of our own and Mateus Pereira, um, that kind of like that kind of play style, you know? Right. Uh, exactly. And I think they're both destined to be stars. And like, we go back and forth at all the time. It's just funny. So that play um, style is get touched, fall on the ground. To <laughs> That's not a no. That's not a no. I would also it's be careful. No. I, mean, I would also so be careful, though, because Jack Grealish has the backing of the peaky fucking blinders. <laughs> yeah, no shit he does. <laughs> so so we watch that as fans, and like we don't defend that. 
you know, like right. we're not going to, we're not going to like, and I think they don't do the same, but they'll just like kind of deflect it. And we keep deflecting it back at each other right, between right. like, Mateus Pereira, but like when that happens and you see like one of your players flop, like you just kind of roll your eyes. Oh, trust and me, I, I've got a Brazilian on my side with uh Richarlison, and all the time I'm like, stop making a meal of it. Now, he doesn't flop a ton, he normally gets fouled, but he makes a meal of it every time. And I'm like, stop fucking being a Brazilian, get on your fucking well, feet. The Drives only me nuts. The only time you do defend it, and it's usually emotional in the moment, is when you're one nil down and that happens in the box. Yeah. <laughs> Definite pen. <laughs> Nailed on pen ref. Fuck. Oh, so that, and so then that, you see the replay and you kind of go, or maybe it wasn't a pen, but you should still call it. <laughs> this is uh, a great stat uh, because we haven't played in the league uh, with VAR yet. Like this is going to be our kind of first like real extension with it, but we're actually 2-0 uh, in VAR games. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we're 2-0. Oh. We beat uh, Liverpool at Liverpool. Two years ago. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. I that. And then that was three beat, to one. Uh, you whooped them, didn't you? If I recall correctly, it was three one, I think. I think that's right. They, they ended, I think they ended three two, but yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good one. You know, um, enter a mile, bro. Enter a mile. I, I can tell you what I remember. I remember uh, this I, was me the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> that was me the entire match. <laughs> So we have like a really and well the other game is West Ham which we had in the FA Cup this year. Right. But like going back to that game, it's like it's playing like, a League One side. Don't celebrate that. <laughs> oh damn! Like we we have a pretty like our recent history against Liverpool, which is like really funny. Like I think we're unbeaten like three or four games against them, um, just because we haven't played them as a recent. So you know we, we also got that kind of like imaginary trophy we hang over our heads. Excellent. All right. Well, so then final question. How do you think it's going to work out for you this season? Uh, let me put it in terms you can understand. How wicked awesome you think Press Bomb's going to be this year? <laughs> Knowing you're a Bruins Is fan. Is that your attempt at a Boston accent? Yeah, that was yeah, it's the best I could do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> With I don't little, feel like I have A little Boston bit of 120 proof whiskey in me. Uh, that's the best I could do. <laughs> Regardless. Um, <laughs> you know, that was... At, at, that was uh, you know, you know what that was? If he was in the South, that would have been a bless your heart. <laughs> definitely a bless your, bless your little Lindsay. cotton socks. Bless your little cotton socks. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, well handled, sir. Please go ahead. How do you think you guys are going to finish up this year? So at the moment right now, I like I actually have no idea. At With our current squad, which is inarguably worse than our squad as it was in the championship last season, because mm-hmm. we have the departures of Callum Robinson. Brady Diangana, uh, Philip Kravinovich, Gareth Barry being one of them. Chris Brunt, another great one. Yep. Uh, who we even talked about this time. Very uh, true. Brunt, Brunt was part of the uh, teams that were in the Premier League. I remember, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's got he's got some like some like crazy number of assists in the Prem. But regardless, <laughs> like as it stands right now, like avoiding relegation with our current squad would be an achievement. But we have no idea where this is all going. Like these times with COVID and kind of transfers is just insane. Um, obviously we're in talks right now. It, we'll get to it later with like Philip Kravinovich, uh, Troy Deeney. Um, and it's just like, we need something to break through. We have all these like great Croatian links, village, uh, but I just can't tell anything at the current times and none of us can well, um, I mean, you could easily be compared to then in that regards, like uh, you because you said this about your club. In fact, uh, much like the Norwich side that came up this past season, they were expecting to come up in two seasons, not one. And they were I, they were kind of caught off guard at being in the prem maybe a little too quickly. And them going back down, they're just kind of like, okay, we're okay with that because we'll be we're we're going to take the money we made, we're going to reinvest into the club, and we'll be right back up because we already know what our coach is doing. Mm-hmm. That always seems to be easier said than done for a lot of clubs in the Prem that end up getting relegated. But if you're smart with your money, and then a good example of that would be Burnley, who for what the better part of six seasons went up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and then find themselves being an established club. In the in the Premier League because of that, so you know I'm I'm, I'm sur- sure seventeenth would be a nice spot, but if you went back down, it's not the end of the world as long as the team's not completely stripped bare and you take advantage of the opportunity that you have while you're there too. Yeah, and I, I think we learned a little bit like from the full time aspect of like 
kind of just throwing a hundred million dollars out there. We we set our transfer budget at twenty five million. Uh, we spent nine and a half, I think, or nine on Mateus Pereira. Mm-hmm. So so that's gone. You leave us with fifteen million. Um, Can't buy it, much. Every, every, you're not. You're kind of. You're, you're a little bit limited. Who and like obviously no club releases what their exact transfer budget's going to be because that kind of leaves you a little bit vulnerable to like who you're dealing with. Right, because then everybody jacks up the price because they know how much you can spend. 100%. I think, and it seems to be a pattern for everyone who's not a big six club, is like no one's really making the first move right now because people are pretty unsure of what the value of our players actually are with COVID kind of mixed in. I think the transfer deadline being extended out to October 6th, I see us making a lot of our moves October 3rd to October 6th. Well, let's face it. I mean, you... You've we're picked- gonna play with a with an incomplete squad right. for three four games, and that's just that's just gonna be the nature. When you come in with a two year plan like Slavin Bilic did, that changes everything in the entire organization, straight up to the finances. Well, um, loans you, loans could always help you as well. Correct. You know, you are the people who got you know you had Romelu Lukaku playing for you for a season, which certainly helped. Mm. So. I mean, we'll get into it in the next segment, but I think loans is probably really the route you're going to have to go to to bring on the, the bodies you need, certainly with the money you need. And also, I mean, let's look at it this way. The $100 million price tag you talk about that like Fulham did two years ago and found themselves going right back down, Aston Villa spent $100 million this past season and barely stayed up. And they can't spend any money right now because they spent $100 million last last season. You know? Yeah, basically. Um, at, and that's what happens with these budgets. The other thing is COVID times, right? Your match day revenue would pay your wage bill. Yep. You know, and these teams don't have it. That's You take, what, 19 home games, and you're looking at somewhere between $1.5 and $3 million a pop. Mm-hmm. And you're just not getting it right now. Yeah, precisely. It's not happening. So, all right, so the official stance is... Hoping for 17th, uh, just want to see the club do good this season, huh? Yeah, uh, hopefully we can make a cup run. Uh, we always love a good cup run. Um, and, but I think, as of right now, I think we're still on the two-year plan track. Um, yeah, I, Like you said, I think seeing a lot of loan deals come through kind of late on, uh, especially as like clubs need to reduce their wage bills uh, because they won't have fans in the stadiums for a little bit, uh, I, I think seems to be our strategy. It's time to tell you what little we all know. It's speculation time. All right. Darts are flying on the dartboard, Sam. What kind of wackadoodle shit? Oh, well, actually, not wackadoodle shit. What official shit has actually happened so far? All right. So officially so far, Chelsea have signed three defenders, which they desperately needed. No shit. Uh, ben Chilwell from Leicester City uh, comes in. Tiago Silva uh, comes in with his walker from PSG. I heard he barely made it through customs with that thing. Uh, thank you, Tamori and Zuma, now available for loans. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I think he'll bring some much-needed experience uh, to that to that back line, to be honest with you. Now, probably only play uh, maybe half the games a season, but uh, right. he'll bring some valuable experience to that team. And uh, Malang Sar uh, came in from Nice as well. Um, Palace signed Eberechi Eze from uh, QPR. That was a big target. Fulham were gunning after. Yep. Um, surprise for Palace because that's a that's a good young player. And as we get on to Palace, as we've talked about before, their problem was is they were real old last year. Absolutely. And you told me somebody else that they uh, that not, they brought in on loan. It's not official yet. Um, but yeah, there is. I've, I've, I completely forgot who it was, but it's not official. So well, damn, I blanked on it too. So. Um, uh, right. um, Gilmore from oh, Chelsea. Gilmore is from the, Chelsea is, is, the, right. is the hard rumor, but it's not. Not official yet. Not official. Got it. Uh, Southampton add their, uh, add a center back in Mohamed Salisu from Real uh, Valladolid, which I think they probably just misread, uh, misread the paperwork. <laughs> Spurs add Matt Doherty from Wolves in the cuntiest move of this week. Uh, did you see what he did? Matt Doherty, very, very avid Arsenal supporter. Yeah. Uh, did you see his welcome video to Tottenham? Uh, like deleted Arsenal from his like Facebook yeah, or something opened, like that. No, they open up the uh, the old laptop, and uh-huh. it's a tweet that he said was like, "Yes, I support Arsenal." And then he looks at the camera, makes this like "sorry" kind of face, and deletes it, and then right? deletes the tweet. <laughs> Conti, Conti moves very um, DBAC baby. <laughs> 
Fulham uh, get Harrison Reed on a permanent, which they were only hoping for a loan. So this is brilliant. I them. would like to say thank you very much to the DU football show. As we broke it last week while we were talking with Brian, we said it was going to happen. It happened. We get all the credit. Thank you. Bang. Um, from Southampton, they also added uh, Mario Lamina on loan uh, as well. Leeds added defender Robin Koch uh, from Freiburg, or Koch, as it may or may not be pronounced in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and striker Rodrigo Machado on loan from Valencia. Very good. There you go. I see I see you're working on your um, mess up of using language for when we do do the transfer roundup and you're all hammered time drunk Just and try to say all that. Practicing. All right. What crazy rumors you got? And then we'll uh, get into uh, West Brom. Liverpool are in for a fifth choice winger in Ismael Saar. From Watford for forty million, apparently. Well, that, which that's was the scoff, which was the scoffed price for Timo Werner. Um, uh, that Chelsea ended up getting him from was it Leipzig? I, it was because Saar beat him so bad when they did beat <laughs> yeah. him that three 0 That was yeah. just kind of like, well, I like. I guess we might as well just go ahead and sign him so he don't whoop our ass again like he did last time. Yeah, uh, United are going to sign Ajax's um, Vanderbeek. Uh, as I've heard it pronounced, may also be Vander Beek. I'm going to go with Beek because Beeks are funny. Also, Tottenham are said to have failed in an unsurprising 11th hour bid, which is Daniel Levy just trying to appease the fans, much like Mike <coughs> Ashley does, right. by uh, going in at the last minute with a bid under what the team that already tabled a bid Go had. see, 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 look, yeah. I tried to sign a guy. Exactly. Um, Newcastle also being unsurprisingly cheap, offering $15 million to us for Ainsley Mate niles after Wolves pulled out for... Uh, the player we value at $25 million. <laughs> <laughs> We obviously rejected that. Right. West Brom apparently are interested in Troy Deeney, um, which would take me from indifferent to you guys to I now fucking hate you. Uh, should you do it? Also, a uh, very strong interest uh, in Shane Duffy. Uh, Duffy, just went, Duffy, Duffy just went to um, Celtic. We were talking about that last week. No. There, no, has not yet. Okay. No. I, I heard he... Uh-uh. I'd heard he had, so my apologies. No, I, I did this Sunday. Proof of the silly season. Yeah, exactly. I did this Sunday. And uh, that's... Oh, uh, sorry. Burnley are apparently in the market for Leo Messi. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> of the most fun rumor of silly season, Lionel Messi is going to find himself in fucking Burnley. <laughs> I wouldn't even go to Burnley. No. They could offer me a contract right now. I wouldn't go to Burnley. <laughs> West Brom's in the Midlands, and they wouldn't want to go to Burnley. No. <laughs> exactly. They um, don't even have a sports direct there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Jordan, uh, the big one you've already mentioned is uh, Matthias Pereira brought on to a permanent from his loan deal from last year at Sporting Lisbon. And I know Sam just kind of buried the lead there with Troy Deeney. If you didn't know, uh, Sam hates Troy Deeney because uh, he Cause punked he's a him, cunt. Because he punked him one time. He didn't punk us anything. But, uh, he's a bitch. But just, Troy Deeney. Okay. But just know that his uh, nickname. Go to the dentist. We, we call him Fat Drake. That's our nickname for him. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what else? What other rumors are going on for the club? Who are some loan players you think you might be in for? And uh, go, go ahead and throw us a few ideas. Yeah, so, so you bring up Troy Deeney there. Uh, apparently Tottenham like entered the race today for Troy Deeney. So like, why? I, I, I don't quite understand, but that might throw a little bit of a, a loop in our plans right there. No, uh, that, that's, a, that's a dartboard rumor. They already signed Joe Hart to be the fifth choice goalkeeper just to fulfill their their English right talent requirement. There's no need for Troy Deeney. Well, well, unless yeah. unless they need to make the nicest player in the whole world, Son, a little rougher, a little <laughs> meaner around the edges. Maybe you get so Troy Deeney's <laughs> being brought in as Son's life coach. Is right, that right, right, right. Yeah. Give, give right. him a little more umph. Because <laughs> I mean, we know he is an inspiration to the children. Sam, 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 the children. You understand me, right? I get it. <laughs> I think for Christmas, we need to get uh, one of those um, some, uh, what are those called when you put them on the wall? The vinyls. Oh, fatheads. Yeah, that's the one. And put it right above Houston. So that way, some is always looking, looking down, down on, on me. Him. Yeah, that'd be nice. Troy Deeney just has a fat head. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We, we've been stomping all over you. Go ahead, Jordan. Who you got? Um, yeah. So other guys kind of uh, that were in for uh, Cedric Kipre who is a defender for Wigan. I think we're going after him for just under a million dollars. Which would then leave Wigan with nobody. Exactly. They clearly need to, I mean, they're, they're doing a great fundraiser right now uh, to save the club even. So maybe we like an extra hundred thousand dollars there or something. I really don't know. (laughs) 
another recent rumor is Phil Kravinovich. Um, we're trying to get back uh, from his loan from Benfica. He played for us last year. Okay. Um, we've had a few kind of missed, kind of missed attempts, I'd say, for bidding to kind of get him back, and they were getting pretty angry with us. So it seems like we're kind of going on the loan deal with an obligation to buy, uh, assuming we stay up after the season. That kind of seems it for right now. I mean, like as it mm-hmm. comes to like transfers, like like I said, like I feel like we're going to be making so much of our movement so late, um, and we're just not there yet. Well, um, see see what teams need, like you said, need to dump some uh, need to dump some salary. Hell, that could be a team like us, to be honest with you. Because that's one of the hard things that uh, Everton's been going through is trying to just dump salary because there's so many guys on our team that were making you know over a hundred thousand a week after the Steve Walsh era or what I like to call the buy every number ten available in the Premier League that season we have a ton an absolute ton of that so if you need a bunch of tens we have a whole bunch of them we can sell you that are uh, making a you know hundred thousand quid a week. Yeah, I mean, and I think the last thing we need, like, if we don't end up carrying Troy Deeney, um, is really kind of that solid striker. I mean, you kind of brought it up earlier, like, whether or not, like, as much as I have that, like, great, like, personal connection to, like, Charlie Austin, like, I think he's, like, kind of, like, one of those guys, he's, like, he, he has, like, the most goals in the championship or something like that, mm-hmm. but he just hasn't really seemed to perform in the in the upper league. And he's just, we're going to need someone more solid up there. Um, I really hope we do find that in Troy Deeney, but you know, like only time's going to tell on stuff like this. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that's going to about wrap it up, boys and girls. Uh, Sammy, any parting words? Yeah, we got a cut of the week. Okay, who's that? Del Loy Hansen, the owner of the Real Monarchs, which is uh, the USL affiliate of uh, Real Salt Lake, uh-huh. which is the MLS team, obviously, in, right, of in course. Utah. And then also the WSL uh, Royals. Okay. Right? Use some racist language in front of employees for not the first time. Uh, first time people felt comfortable coming out about it, but he apparently has a quite long history of doing these sorts of things. And I just want to commend MLS. Uh, shit came out Thursday. By Sunday, it was announced he's selling the club, all property that he owns with Utah Soccer Holdings, the club that owns those three clubs, or right. the, the company that owns those three clubs, mm-hmm. uh, as well as all the real estate that goes along with those three, uh, three clubs, training grounds, stadiums, everything else. Wow. Um, it is up for sale. MLS is going to help with the transition, uh, as they should, because it's a single entity league. Um, but yeah, Delroy Henson, uh, no, Delroy is actually the, what the real name would be it's del loy del loy Henson. Uh-huh. yep here's your cunt of the week brought to you by the dbac bear <laughs> heard very stop good stop being fucking racist it's not that hard no nah, it's not hard it's not hard just be just be nice to people that's it and, really and wash your goddamn hands yeah hashtag covid <laughs> heard <laughs> all right well jordan thank you so much for joining us man this was an absolute blast man do you uh have anything you like please plug your twitter and and talk about the west brom family Hey, I mean, if, if you actually don't know who you're going to support in the Premier League next year and you're listening to this to kind of like have which club speaks to you, give West Brom a watch. We uh, start off against Leicester on the 13th at 9 a.m. Uh, that's a Sunday. So we got, got a nice NBCSN game. Nice. So, uh, yeah, like that. I, I'm at West Brom America. Um, hopefully, actually, quick like plug for any West Brom fans listening. Uh, we just got approved by the club uh to be the official club recognized group for american sporters which is awesome fantastic um, congratulations so, so yeah been going back and forth with the club a little bit while on that so I, i'd say we're finally here excellent well please let us know as uh as new groups pop up across the country for for west brom supporting let us know because we always like to follow all of them we like to interact with everybody and Gosh forbid we're in one of the cities because uh, both of us do some traveling with our jobs. Uh, whenever we're out, we always try to make sure we catch matches. And even if it's like I wake up on a Sunday and Everton played on a Saturday, I'll go find some matches and I'll go meet up with some fans. So I always like to go catch games with people. So please keep us keep us uh, aligned of who all's what what groups are starting to pop up. Certainly because you get the USA group up and running, that's going to help get other chapters up and running as well. So that's great news to hear. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we're going back and forth with the club a while on that. Just kind of make sure it's all built out right. And uh, Yeah, finally right there, right for the prem. Well, and hats off to the uh, family as well. Just a few tweets today. You put out a tweet. I put out a tweet and lots of response. And every single person that I saw that favorited or retweeted it, 
West Brom American supporter. Like just this. Oh, so, awesome. So already a lot, a lot of response, which is great to see. So fantastic. Do you, do you guys have an Instagram yet? We do not have an Instagram. No doubt. I'm, I'm de- I definitely don't have a face for Instagram. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to stick to Twitter. Neither do we, but <laughs> yeah. that doesn't stop us. <laughs> yeah. our, our dumbasses put up a photo every single week. Yeah, we got lucky enough we're married already, so we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I'm not going to have anybody slide into the old DMs there, am I? Nope, not at all. <laughs> well, Jordan, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, yeah, thank cheers, you, man. Thank you so much, boys and girls. Next up is Injury Time, another show where we discuss beers that we are drinking and fuck all else because apparently it's going to be an hour of listening to Graham jerk off to his pro arsenal agenda and the fact that they won the community shield so. 16 times and, and according to jose Mourinho, a major trophy and if somebody <laughs> would and if somebody was interested in finding injury time how would they go about doing that sam very simply it's you find that right at www.patreon.com backslash du football show where you can sign up to one of three tiers and have access to exclusive content more and more each time you pay more and I told you we were going to save it right to the end of the show. If you want to be in the Fantasy Football League, you have to fucking email us because you listened to the episode. Stop being on the DUFC page going, I want to play fantasy. Well, if you listen to the show, you know how to fucking play fantasy. And that's all. Thank you very much. My little public service announcement, and I'm done. I don't think that was a public service announcement. I think that was crying to mommy. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I actually have an announcement. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Are we well, getting fired? No, yes, absolutely. Um <laughs> Even though Sam's being a tyrant right now, uh, I want to thank all of the listeners because August brought us record-breaking numbers. Yeah, fantastic. We had a 40% increase in downloads this month. Yeah, very good. Very, very good, guys. And I guarantee you, Leeds and Fulham is going to take all the credit. Yep, not good. I'm going to take all the credit because I've been listening to a show I didn't listen to previously. On silent to get your while we've been doing this. So we finish on an even number. All right, very good. Well, till next week, everybody. See ya. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right day, the fucking Gooner Graham. Of the Lord, the straight and short, Sam Grammy. Sam Graham. Hit the fucking new button.